MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Okay, you heard Brent Musburger. It is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. And he is Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher as we welcome you back. Vegas heads to Kansas City tonight, and we're looking forward to that one. It's seven. It was interesting. You're looking at the board, Michael. You see sevens everywhere. And Thomas Gable went to seven and a half at the Borgata. Yeah, it seems like nobody wants to go to seven and a half. I mean, DG's got obviously must – he's trying to get some money to come back. But, I mean, I'm looking at this number and, I mean – it stayed seven. It has been a seven constant, a deluge of Agreed. seven all week long. It hasn't yeah, moved. Uh, it, uh, I, I, that, that's why I was actually kind of shocked to hear that TG went there because I'm looking at 110 juice. So just so everybody knows, you can get an idea of where the number's going based on the juice. Now, I do see DraftKings went to 115 on the seven juice. So that's headed up to seven and a half, but it's not going to get there. It doesn't appear. Remember, some shops open six and a half. Some shops open seven with Kansas City laying it. Well, let's get a brief overview on this one. Uh, I don't know if I heard a dubious when I said, I think Vegas is going to travel well tonight. I don't know if there was a dubious reaction on your part, but again, you are invested in this because your son's a coach there with Vegas. Yeah. What do you think on this game? Well, I mean, I, you know, look, I, I think you got to slow the game down, right? I think they got to go out there. They got to play perfectly. They can't turn the ball over. You can't give Mahomes the way he's playing right now, extra possessions, right? You've got to manage the game. You got to stay ahead of the down and distance. You can't get into a 50 pass game with the crowd noise and all that. You have to do what, what, what really what the Chargers did. They had a chance to win that game. They couldn't stop them. You know, they couldn't stop Hilaire on the big run, which ultimately lost the game for him. So, 
you got to battle for 40 minutes. You got to battle the whole game, and you you got to be prepared to play the fourth quarter. That you hope you're one score game and you're in it. And you got a chance to have the ball last and put them away, but you got to overcome a lot of obstacles to get through this. But it starts with not letting the game get away from you, not making mental mistakes. You know, having a guy come free, sack the quarterback, car turn the ball over, fumble. You know, the Raiders have done that up until this point where they're getting better at it, but they got to be careful with the football. And then, more than anything, the Raiders have to put the ball in the end zone. They can't not miss these up. They've moved the ball against every team they've played. They just have not been able to put the ball in the end zone as often as they need to. I was going to say, it feels like 20 to 20. They've been great, right? It's it has it, Moving the football hasn't been an issue for the Raiders. It's just capitalizing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and when you look at the numbers and when you go through like this, the yards per play and opponent yard per play and all that, I mean, they're attached to, to, to Kansas City as, as closely as you can possibly be. You know, that there's no real separation in terms of anything. In fact, their percentage completion passes is higher. You know, their points per play isn't as high, but that, that, that's where it shows up. It shows up on third down and red zone. That's where Kansas City has made the difference. And that's right there where I think that, the, that if the Raiders have a chance to win or cover this number, it's got to be on third down. It's got to be in the red zone. Butker missing is big for the Chiefs. I, I don't know. I, I really do. I, I have a good feeling about – I know that's a terrible handicap to say you have a good feeling about a team, but the Raiders 1-3. and three, you, you mentioned you know everything kind of adding up to be the same, but you look at the points for per 32.2 for the Chiefs and 24 for the Raiders, which is – that's an eight-point difference when yards per play, points per – like everything kind of adds up. That's why – I think that will turn as far as their luck in the red zone as the as far as the Raiders are concerned. Right, but I think what has to happen is is you've got to be able to manage the game correctly. You can't not you can't have too many incompletions. You can't allow them to have an extra possession. You got to play really good. Look, you, you know, as bad as the Colts were on on Thursday night, the Colts actually beat this team. Now, they turned the ball over Kansas City on uh, with their special team unit. But that's what you've got to be able to do. You've got to win a phase there, you know, and you've got to be able to capitalize when you get an opportunity. The, the Chiefs are going to get their points. That's inevitable. The, the question is, like you just said, can the Raiders capitalize in the red zone and keep up? Uh, Mahomes, he's 6-0 and straight up against the Raiders and 4-2 and ATS, covering by an average a little over 10 points per game. Um, the Chiefs have been really pass heavy this season and that has been a detriment for the Raiders so I wonder if they're just going to try to exploit that secondary well if they do now look here's what I would say to you this chief offensive line you know has not played if you watch that Colt game the Colts got after Mahomes a little bit you know and the Raiders strength is they can get after you you know, I, I think the Raiders have more trouble when teams come out and try to just run it on them all the time now they're not a great coverage team but they got to take Kelsey away. You got to double Kelsey. Look, the one thing I know about Patrick Graham, he's been very good at being, he'll give you yards from the 20 to 20, like he did when he was with the Giants and with the Raiders. And where he's been very effective is playing in the red zone, you know, uh, keeping teams from scoring. And he's been very effective on third down, 35% conversion rate on third down. So those are the two areas. Like we get caught up in yards. Like when you watch that Lions game last night, the, the Lions start moving the ball on the Patriots, but eventually they get into a third down, then they can't get off. You know what I mean? Then it starts to, mm-hmm. even though they seem like they get first down, they don't get enough consistency. And that's what 
that's what you have to be able to do. You got to be able to make a play, get him in a negative play. If you don't get him in a negative play, like Green Bay never got Daniel Jones in a negative play. There's no second and 14. There's no second and 17. There's nothing to overcome. What about the other side, the Raiders? If you're looking at the Chiefs' deficiencies defensively and how the Raiders will approach with their offensive philosophy tonight. Well, Spagnuolo's been, you know, he's always been an exotic guy, you know, but he's backed off a lot since probably last year after Washington, the second half of Washington. They've kind of played their stuff. He's going to play cover one. Middle of the field's going to be closed. He's going to try to win with pressure from his inside, Chris Jones, and this is where the Raiders have to block him. I mean, this is going to be a challenge for the Raiders' guards. They've got to block this big guy inside. And I think that what 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 uh, Steve has done, Spagnola's done a nice job of is not giving up the free play. Usually they break a coverage, they make a motion. The the chess match between Spagnola and and Josh McDaniels is always pretty good. It's always pretty good. McDaniels has a good feel for how to attack him, and he has a way of trying to adjust it and try to get to his protection. So I think the Raiders have to be in you know run the ball, get in some two backs. You know, one thing I think about the league when I watch it. We have become so much about one back, split runs. There's no diversity in run game that I think it really has impacted the quality of play. I really do. I think I think the team that goes back to being under center more than the teams that are in the shot, like I keep saying it, like I don't care what anybody tells me. I Baltimore, they haven't changed their offense one bit. It's too gadgety for me. It's way too gadgety. If they put Lamar under center and if they tra- they never bootleg him or move him out there. They do it off of off of the they don't do it off of a run action. They do it off of a of a of a, a shotgun action, which just doesn't have the same appeal. I think that's where the Raiders gain an advantage. They can get some two back runs in there. It's gotten to a point where and Mike Pritchard's gonna join us for the last half hour, so we'll get plenty more into the Raiders Chiefs game. It's gotten to a point where when I see a quarterback under center, I get excited. Yeah. It's like you just don't you know what I mean? You're like, oh, this is fun. It used to be when a when a player was in the gun. Like from my childhood, I think of Jim Kelly in the K gun, right? But that was yeah. exotic back then. And now it's exotic to be under center. Yeah, like to me, and it's, and, and, and I mean, Cleveland does a lot of under center, but I think it adds another layer. You get a two, if you can get some lead blockers in there to get the back into the hole and kind of get them through the hole a little bit to clear up some of this. You know, it's the, what drives me crazy watching college football on su- su- Saturday afternoon is that is that fake that handoff and a guy runs into a pile with nobody there and like really we're gonna we're reading that that's what we read. I like Wake Forest where the back does the Le'Veon Bell thing. He just stops, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes, I know. It's such a – it's like – I don't know. It's a weird – they go up-tempo, but in the, the actual offense goes so slow. Anyway, um, you said it, so let's transition to Baltimore-Cincinnati. A 1917 win for Baltimore. They don't cover the three, obviously. I, I will say this. As far as Zach Taylor, um, some baffling play calls at the goal line. That's being fair. And Jamar Chase had 50 yards receiving. Like, this is – you're not utilizing your weapons. Well, I mean, look, here's the reality of it, right? They had one explosive play for 33 yards in the game. This has been the – this is what's happened to the Bengals. They can't make an explosive play. They can't. And and the Ravens last night had one play of 21 yards and one play of 20. That was it. That was their explosive plays. And do you wonder why the scores 19-17? You know, you got to make chunk plays to get to get touchdowns. You got to have an explosive play, and they can't seem to get one. And 
look, I mean, I don't understand it. His his offensive line can't block anybody, and he's out in five out. You know, and and the quarterback's taking a beating. I mean, the first three drives of the game, I didn't know if the guy was going to get up. I I, I just was... don't understand it. I don't understand. I never get like I've said this before. The defensive coordinator Lou Amaral, he carries the program. He carries the program. To me, he's more valuable than to me. If Zach Taylor left at halftime and had to go, you know, and didn't come back. They would be fine with Lou running the team. Now, the Ravens weren't perfect, but your guy, and you always laud him for good reason. When you have Justin Tucker, three field goals made, he hit the 43-game winner. Um, he also hit from 58, I believe, in the game. Mm-hmm. He, uh, yeah. They needed to get right because I think they had lost five straight at home coming into that. It's a division rival. They got right. It's not a pretty win for Baltimore, but they'll take it. Yeah. You know, I'm looking here on the play-by-play. Baltimore had, you know, it's funny because early in the game, Baltimore had a fourth and one from like it was, I want to say it was over in this, it was in Cincinnati's territory, right? And and he turned it down. He turned down the kick. And 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 I and after that, now when he went for it on fourth and inches, you know, I thought, right. oh my gosh, he's changed his mind. He's really changed it, hasn't he? Well, no, he 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 was he got with Coach Peters. Coach Marcus Peters, yeah. <laughs> he decided that's when he was gonna. That's what he was gonna do. It was, uh, it was a meh Sunday night affair. I was really looking forward to that game as well. I was too, but again, I get every time that that Raven offense plays against a really good defense coordinator, they don't do anything. I, I'm just telling T- you, that's a fact. I, it, it's Taysom Hill love next, and also an apology to Cowboys Nation here at Veasan. to the Lombardi line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, Michael was just reminding me during the commercial that the NASCAR playoffs are in full swing and it's time to see all your favorite drivers in fabulous Las Vegas. It's the South Point 400 this weekend, October 14th through the 16th at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That's a ton of fun over there, by the way. VSIN's own Brent Musburger will be the Grand Marshal of the race. And he will also broadcast from the track Sunday morning on Brent Musburger's Countdown to Kickoff. That's pretty cool. Follows the Lombardi line. Before the action on the track, come down to the South Point Casino on Thursday, October 13th. So coming up here this Thursday to see Budweiser Clydesdales and meet Mark Martin and his inaugural Las Vegas 400 winning car. Wow, that's cool. Also special appearances by Brennan Gaughan and Las Vegas native Noah Gregson. South Point also has room and ticket packages available. Make sure you check it out, southpointcasino.com. That's really cool. The South Point 400 there at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway is awesome. And again, Lombardi Line goes into the countdown to kickoff with Brent Musburger on Sundays, and he's going to broadcast live from the track this coming yeah. Sunday. And I want to send my best wishes out to Steve Stallworth, our former quarterback, who's the assistant, who's the general manager there at the South Point. He's dealing with some health issues. I want to send my best to Steve and and to all the people at the South Point who have been tremendous hosts for Visa and tremendous hosts for me and my family. And and I, I hope Mr. Gon's going to send the flag to start it all off this weekend. It'll be fun to see it. And, and, and go enjoy it. Because one thing about the South Point, you know, it's always busy there, Patrick. You know that. We we often we of course have a wonderful relationship with Circa, but we have a tremendous South Point from day one with Vison has always been amazing, and it's kind of like that little shop off the strip 
that you really feel comfortable walking into. They've got everything you everything you could need. It's a neighborhood book where you always feel comfortable. And like you said, they treat you and Millie well whenever you come to town. So everybody, the Gons and the crew over at the South Point, we appreciate you. SouthPointCasino.com for more information. Okay, I, I keep on teasing the Taysom Hill thing. Again, quickly, and then I want to get to the commanders. Taysom Hill, one of three players since 1950 with three-plus rushing touchdowns, 100-plus rush yards, and a passing touchdown in a single game. Let's do this and then get to the commanders. Quickly on him, because you've been stressing they need to utilize him more this was a shootout yesterday in New Orleans, a 39-30 win over Seattle. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. And, and he gave them those explosive plays that they really kind of needed to get themselves going in the game. And, and, and you know, look, I, I was disappointed. I, the way I handicapped this game, I thought the offensive line of Seattle would have had some trouble blocking this front. And they really didn't. I mean, Geno Smith played brilliantly again. I mean, Geno Smith was good now. He he threw the ball effectively. You know, they, they had, uh, you know, he, he they start the game with 10 points. I mean, they finished the game really well in the fourth quarter. He had nine plays and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They were, they, they struggled on third down. That's really where New Orleans gained the advantage in this game. But look, Seattle's offense, and I'll say it again. They're better this year. Now, they lose Penny. Penny lost, I think he broke his yep. foot, fibula or something. That hurts him. But, I mean, they're better offensively than they were at any point last year. You have to admit that there's just their defense is horrible. Patrick, do you realize in this game, Seattle averaged 8-1 per play? 8-1 per play. Well, Against the Gino's good average, Saint defense. Chino's average was over 10. Kenneth Walker was averaging 11 on the ground. Kenneth Walker, who you just mentioned, Penn, but he, eight rushes for 88 yards and a score, a 69-yard touchdown run. Yeah, I mean, look, the, it's, Seattle just can't play any defense. They're not good enough on defense. They're like Detroit, you know, and then they don't really manage the game. I mean, they they made some really great plays in the fourth quarter to get themselves back, but, but go back to Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill gives them that – you know, I mean, they had three plays over. They had three plays uh, over uh, uh, twenty. I mean, they had four explosive plays. One of them fifty yards, and Taysom Hill's the guy behind that. And that's how you score points. That's how you change field position is by making those explosive plays. And and look, the other thing he gives them too is is the, the difference in this game. When we talked about third down for Seattle. New Orleans was good on third down. They were eight for fourteen on third down. They were Seattle able to keep terrible. the ball away from Seattle. Seattle was one of nine. You know, yeah, they were horrible. Something, something you just mentioned. Let's bring it back to the explosive plays. So you just said Seattle had four plus explosive plays. Didn't you just tell me um, Cincinnati? What did Cincinnati have? Cincinnati had one. They, they, With Cincinnati the, Baltimore and, game. Come on, Cincinnati. Let me just go to you. I, I I keep because I keep track of them every week, right? And so, I, and I keep them in a column. So. Here, I got to get to it, but, I mean, just bear with me here for but just, a second. Just to, to your point, while you find that. Like, they have one play for about, 33 yards. And one. think about the talent they have on offense as compared to what New Orleans is doing right now. No, no doubt. And Lamar, now look, Perryman wasn't in the game, so maybe uh, Rashard Bateman wasn't in the game for, for Baltimore. He was injured. But Baltimore only had two plays, 21 yard and 20. Like, I'm just telling you, every time this Baltimore offense plays against a really good defensive coordinator, they don't do anything because all the window dressing comes off the court. And people understand how to rush Lamar, how to attack Lamar. And they don't modify it at all. They just keep thinking we're just going to keep running. Now, Lamar missed a couple throws. Don't get me wrong. He had a two touchdown throws he missed bad. 
I'm not going to dispute that at all. I mean, that game, if he makes either one of those throws, they were both on the same drive, but he missed those throws. Well, Seattle, one of nine on third downs. I'll one-up you. The Commanders were one for 11 mm-hmm. on third downs. So, and you mentioned it, our buddy Femi Abebefe, who hosts GM Shuffle with you. GM Shuffle recorded today. That will be out today. Of course, the podcast with Michael and Femi, you can go to vison.com for that. Uh, he was on the Commanders yesterday. Uh, the Commanders did not win. The Commanders are 1-4 ATS this year. They're 1-4 overall. They lose to Tennessee 21-17. And as I mentioned, ineptitude on offense as far as third down conversions. I can't convert third down. You know, they can't keep a drive alive. You know, Wentz is, you know, Wentz had three fumbles in the game. I don't know if you know that, but he got them all back. But he had three, three times the ball was on the ground. I mean, this is another example of a team like Tennessee, like Femi was looking at the stat sheet and he tweeted out, he said, how did, how does, how does Washington lose that game? Well, you're the commanders for one, you know, you're not very well managed and, and you, you know, you end up, you end up, you average 6.6 yards per play. The other team averages three, nine, but they don't turn it over. They don't make mistakes. You know, they kind of get through it. They don't have penalties in the kicking game. They do some good things, and they ran the football. I mean, even though they only averaged 3-3 a carry, but Henry had the big catch, you know, got him involved. He had the 24-yarder on the screen. I mean, look, the commanders never do the details to win the game. They never get it nailed down. I mean, they averaged, against this front, they had 17 carries for 43 yards. You can't win the game running the – I mean, Carson Wentz, again, 38 passes. Did you have any doubt he was going to turn the – he wasn't going to score no. at the end of the game? No. Well, but the part of the problem was mismanagement by Ron Rivera. Rivera had no timeouts at the end of the game because I was watching that game closely. He he took back-to-back timeouts at one point. Disaster. The conversation about Rivera eventually is going to have to start. Now, he's protected in that bubble of drama that is the commanders and what's happening off the field. But his coaching record, you look it up, he's not very good. No, no. Yes, with three winning seasons in, in, in 11 years, you know, and – and the team that Rule got left by him that he took over wasn't very good. And just like this team, there's no details covered. There's no precision to the team. There's nothing to it. They can't really get going. Now, again, remember, he made no changes to his coaching staff. So he actually thinks this is pretty good. You know? Scott, I mean, Tur- Scott Turner's offense. Pretty- Scott Turner, I don't know what you know of him, but that's part of the coaching staff he didn't make any changes to. He's doing nothing to help Wentz. Protection-wise, having outs, it's just ugly right now with the Commanders. I, I think it's been ugly all year, Patrick. I don't know how they should like they should not have won Opening Day, but that was Correct. a Doug Peterson special. Which we got another one of those yesterday. This is your problem when you're betting Jacksonville. You got it. You're betting against you're Peterson again, going for it on fourth down, turning down points. Nobody says anything. It's okay. Because it's, you know, he, he won in Philly doing that. But that was 17. This is now. At some point, I, I got to tally it up. What is the conversion rate this year on fourth down? It's got to be at the all-time lowest. Lawrence threw an absolutely disastrous pick in the end yeah. zone. When he could have. You saw that, right? When he could have just ran the ball. He threw into, I mean, it was literally, Stingley was just waiting, sitting on it. That was I've always been a Lawrence supporter. I literally was like, with that pass, I said, ah, I don't know about this guy because it was that bad. It was that Well, I've bad, always been pick. one, too. I, I got to be honest. I've always been one, too, but his inconsistencies continue to bother me. 
Like there's never like I can never count on him for a good game next week. I never like it's always something wrong. He doesn't play. And then I you know, look, Peterson refusing to run the ball, like again, he's throwing it way too much. Like they don't manage the game. I at some point somebody like if you were managing Lawrence, how good would he be compared to what Daniel Jones has done? And See, I'm that's the point. The, yeah, every yeah, quarterback needs to get every quarterback needs to be managed. There's only a few that don't. And the this is I, I maybe I should whisper this to you. I'm watching Lawrence and I'm like, is maybe a little arm strength missing? Maybe just a little on some of those out routes? I I I don't know. I never I saw his any deficiencies Patrick, in college. His, his fundamentals are so messed up, and they change week after week. They don't look the same. He he has a different throwing motion every week. Are you ready for Thursday Night Football? Because it's going to be lit. Washington I can't wait. Chicago, oh, I'm going to be so excited. I'm going to be ready em. to go for that. No I'm volume, ready. Michael and the dogs in Washington and Chicago on a Thursday night. I can't night. wait. Fantastic. I can't wait. Pritch is next. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, question. Are you a VSIN pro? Go to vsin.com slash subscribe. I ask you that question because if you want the VSIN NBA betting guide this year, you have to be a pro. And the betting guide is awesome. JBT and the crew, season, pro- season prep for all 30 teams. If you're a new better to the NBA, we've got you covered. Of course, playoff title predictions from the experts. VEASAN NBA betting guide, but remember, it's only for VEASAN pros. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for more information. We're back. Lombardi line. Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. We're going to talk to Pritch here in a second. Quickly, Chiefs Raiders. John Ewing over at BetMGM reporting. They opened this total tonight at 52 and a half. This morning, it dropped to 52. Now it's sitting 51 and a half. The line keeps dropping, Michael, yet the betters over at BetMGM are on the over. Be a little surprised, of course, the divisional unders are hitting at a ridiculous over 75% clip. Uh, are you a little surprised with this number coming down in Kansas City? Well, no, because I think you got to pace the game. I think, you know, the one thing, the Raiders can score and they're explosive, but they like long drives. If you look at the Raiders, they they eat up clock with their drive. They don't, they're not a one-play score team. I mean, you know, they, they're able to control the football a little bit. So, you know, how many possessions do you think each team's going to have in this game? Even the Chiefs are more of a of a controlled passing game than they were with Tyreek Hill. So I think it's going to be more of a control. So you get to nine possessions, you know, it, it's challenging to think that over is going to hit. I think the game's in the 20s. I really do. Time for a deep dive with Vicen Hosts and, of course, our NFL insider, Mike Pritchard, as he joins us now. First off, Pritch, thank you, buddy. Hope you had a nice weekend. I'll ask you the yes. same question. First off, Kansas City lane seven, but we're seeing that total kind of coming backwards a little bit down to 51 and a half. A little surprised by the drop? I'm not surprised. Uh, and great to be with you guys. You know, I took one on the chin uh, yesterday, last night with Sunday Night Football, because I thought uh, a divisional situation as well with two prolific offenses, uh, explosive plays potentially uh, involved in that game uh, against Baltimore uh, and Cincinnati, and that thing went under. Uh, so I agree with what Michael was talking about, pacing out the game. Uh, but then when you also look at the inefficiency of the Raiders right now in the red zone, they were two and five uh, last week uh, in the red zone. Uh, Derek Carr uh, needs to improve, I-, I think, in that area. And so if you're looking for points, uh, the inability to score touchdowns in the red zone uh, could hamper that a little bit there in this matchup tonight. 
Yeah, we were talking about the red zone woes. Um, as we welcome you in, Pritch, the breaking news this morning, Matt Rule is out as the Carolina Panther head coach. Michael and I discussed it. It's pretty simple. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have a job in the NFL. Were you a part of a team that fired a coach midway through the season or during the season? And what's the reaction there in the locker room? Yeah, not midway through the season. At the end of the year, uh, it was a, a situation in which the Seattle Seahawks were going to part ways uh, or separate uh, themselves with Dennis Erickson uh, for the potential of landing Mike Holmgren, which obviously they were ended, uh, ended up doing. Uh, but the writing was on the wall, I think. I mean, that whole last season uh, with Dennis Erickson, uh, we were walking on pins and needles. Uh, you know, we, we are certainly each and every game was so important. Uh, out there and Dennis was trying to keep his job out there too guys and so uh, it's a tough situation I mean I think Matt Roll knew uh, what was that stake going into the year and it just hasn't worked out uh, and that was signs that I was looking for for Carolina whether or not that locker room understanding what was that stake for their head coach uh, whether or not they were going to uh, help him out with uh, better production uh, better performances out there evolve into a football team. We just haven't seen that so far this year. You know, the one thing, Patrick, that I, I've I, I've been a part of these coaching changes in season, and they rarely work, but the ones that do work, and when Marty Schottenheimer took over the Cleveland Browns in 1984, Art Modell had fired Sam Ritigliano, and and he hired Marty, and Marty refused to take the interim job unless he said, I, I can't do this if the players are not going to think they work for me. If they think I'm just a substitute teacher, then there's, you know, we may have a game, good game here, but then it's, you've just given away all the games. So I don't know what was talked about in this meeting with the Panthers when they fired Matt Ruin, but they've got to give Steve Wilkes, because there's so much of the season left, they've got to give Steve Wilkes some, some juice to be able to tell the players, hey, look, you know, we are going to compete and you answer to me and, and my job in the future doesn't depend on on like Mike just said there, because that cloud of uncertainty can wear on you. And I think it did wear on the Panthers all year. Well, one betting angle we know Pritch and Michael is new coach first game or interim coach first game. There's always going to be juice amongst the team to kind of prove their worth and kind of bounce back. Yeah. Michael, take a look at your screen. I've got PJ Walker listed as the starter in Los Angeles. Did Wilkes make an announcement? It looks like they're going to go with Walker. Yeah, I think they are. I mean, I, I was told that Darnold is like he's not quite back yet. Look, they liked all spring. They, I mean, I, I know this. My, so they all liked Darnold, that McAdoo. They were, he was really doing well within the system. And But, again, Mayfield's pro tape was always better than, than Darnold. You could argue that. So he won the job. But the guy that's always kind of intrigued everybody there is P.J. And, you know, P.J.'s got a legitimate arm. He can buy a second look, and he, he'll make all the throws. Now, he's never really had a chance, and you could say, well, he can't be very good. You know, well, we said all the same things about Geno, and look how well Geno's playing after he's had some seasoning. Yeah. You know, and so I think that – I think there, there was a long – I think there was almost a move at halftime yesterday because of Baker's injury, but I think ultimately what happened was, you know, now with the change – all bets are off. They got to try to take a look at this guy, especially with Darnold on IR. I mean, look, Baker. The one thing about bringing Baker in, Mike, is it, he had to save his career. Not only did, not only were they fighting right. for their jobs, everybody was fighting, and Baker probably let everybody down more than anybody. 
Yeah, absolutely, guys. I mean, uh, being in that situation too, uh, like when Mike Holmgren did take over eventually the following year, uh, we went with Don Kitna. You know, the previous season we had Warren Moon. Uh, but yet, you know, I, I think coaches ultimately want to have players that they can coach, uh, players that they can kind of mold into what they uh, envision their system being. You know, Baker, for whatever he is right now in his career, it, it just doesn't seem like uh, it was working. It was so disjointed. Uh, out there with Baker Mayfield. So uh, you have a quarterback that learned to play in a National Football League with one system, now integrated in this new system and thinking that he's going to perform at a high level. Uh, that, that was lofty expectations, in my opinion. Uh, I think in this situation, as you make a change to a new coach, a new philosophy, now you have a, a player, uh, like Michael was talking about, in which you feel like you can coach and instruct. Uh, and I think if you can add that kind of structure, maybe that's what Carolina feels like can can give them the most success if you know okay boys michael and pritch this is kind of an overreaction no circa and DraftKings just went to 11 with the rams lane at hosting carolina i don't think the rams right now should be laying 11 to anybody Uh, i think that whole fallacy i don't know what mike feels like but that whole fallacy the rams are just going to turn that switch i've been there before when you win a super bowl do you think that your car has this instant switch you can turn on and get better every day? Watch the tape. The Rams are not playing very good. I don't think it doesn't matter who the Rams are going to play. They're going to struggle to beat anybody. You know, the Cooper Cup will make his plays, but I promise you, I don't think Matthew Stafford is going to get out of the, co- the, uh, hot, uh, the cold tub until at least Thursday. He's beat up. Yeah, Pritch, that Rams team is in a bad way oh. right now. They were they were laying five and a half and got beat by a team that had, what did you say, Michael, 10 first downs, the Dallas Cowboys yesterday ten. and won the ten football Ten first game. downs, all they had, and won the game. How about yeah. that, Pritch? Yeah, they have issues. Uh, we know about the offensive line, and Matthew Stafford at this point cannot trust uh, that group in front of them. I don't know how they fix it. Uh, it's not a personnel uh, change that you can make in order to fix what's ailing the Rams right now. Uh, but a lot of times, too, when you have success, uh, you kind of overlook uh, the mistake or the fact that you're not playing great football because you are uh, enamored by that success, right? And maybe the Rams are going through that a little bit. Like, they're they're not focused in on the little things that propelled them to a championship last year. Uh, maybe you overlook those or, or you're just not as focused as you once were. So they're going to have to flip that switch if they can, Michael and Patrick, in terms of getting back to that mode. Uh, but right now, they, they do seem lost out there as, as football yeah, I don't know, Michael, if the Rams are flipping that switch. The protection I don't with think Stafford right now is non-existent. I mean, he and he turns the ball over. And I don't think they have an identity of offense. They just don't know who they are. They can't run the ball. And it's Stafford-Detroit more than it is Stafford replacing golf. That's really what it looks like. Oh, by the way, remember you kind of trolled me uh, about golf and you said he's tied with the lead and, and touched on. Did you see golf yesterday? Golf is who golf thought he, who we thought he was. My gosh, he is so basic. It's, it's and it hilarious. wasn't even cold. It was 59 degrees. He looked like he was playing in cold weather. Did it? He, he's now <laughs> yeah. become a, he's become a dome quarterback all the way. Has he? <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, Pritch, did you, did you react differently to temperature as a player? Were you affected differently by temp? Um, you know what? Not, I, I wouldn't think that I would have as a player. I, I mean, I played at Colorado, obviously, and so I wasn't affected by temperature. Uh, now, playing in Buffalo is completely different, right? I don't know anybody get used to that. Uh, but, yeah, there's something <laughs> to a quarterback being comfortable in the dome, and we see that uh, from golf right now, for sure. Okay. 
deep dive with Mike Pritchard. I've got the most heavily bet props on the Monday night football game with the Raiders and Chiefs coming up, and we'll get Pritch's take and Michael as well as we continue. Also, takeaways from Pritch week five yesterday in the NFL. We continue. It's Lombardi Line. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay. It is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Of course, BetMGM unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas rewards and just rewards in general. It's betting's premier loyalty program. So here's how it works. Like your credit card. Whenever you make a bet on your app over at BetMGM.com, you get points. When you accrue those points, you can use them for free bets, hotels, dining, travel, whatever you want. Gamble responsibly. It's 1-800-GAMBLER. Got to be 21 years or older. Okay, we'll get Michael. And, uh, of course, we're taking a deep dive with a VEASAN host and NFL insider Mike Pritchard here on the Lombardi line. We'll get their plays on tonight's Monday night game here in just a little bit. Uh, Pritch and I were talking a little bit, Michael, during the break about the Titans. Another win. Mm -hmm. That's three straight (laughs) after the beatdown at the Bills. And, Pritch, one thing Michael always harps on is Rabel is a head coach. He does a hell of a job. Remember, they lost one of their best edges – right before the season start. Traylon Burks, the rookie wide receivers out yet. They've won three straight after a beatdown in Buffalo. He's an impressive head coach, Pritch. Yes, he is. And a little quick story. I was at the senior bowl a few years back when Vrabel took over uh, the Titans and, uh, or I think it was a year into his tenure anyway, but uh, it was 2018. And so as you travel from Mobile back to Colorado, of course, in the media, you got a number of connections, right? Uh, so lo and behold, I get on the plane, uh, and there's Rabel and his coaching staff. Not a private jet, but on commercial, uh, flying back to uh, Tennessee right there. So uh, it's a blue-collar approach, uh, and I immediately respected that. I mean, you could have you could ask the owner for a private jet, or you could have had some kind of luxury uh, accommodations or certainly travel situations. But, oh, let's roll up our sleeves and, and get after this, and let's play some football. Uh, and that's what I'm seeing with Tennessee. He's doing the best with what he has right now uh, in terms of talent. It's not a lot. Uh, it's not a lot. But yet he's finding ways, or the Tennessee Titans are finding ways to win football games. So. And, and what's remarkable about it is, okay, the Raider game, they don't score in the second half, right? The Colts game, they right. don't score in the second half. And the Commanders game, they didn't they, – I think they got three first downs in the fourth quarter. And they didn't close it out. And in all those games, right, in all those games, they've had one turnover and they've created five. So don't tell me that turnovers don't matter, right? Because when you look at the numbers, they gained 243 yards against the Colts, one. They gained 241 against the Titans, one. You know, they, they they got 17 first downs yesterday. Can you believe that? They won the game with 17 first downs. No, I can't believe the 10 first yeah, No, excuse me. I'm sorry. 15. <laughs> they, no, I'm sorry. They got – I cheated you. They got 15 first downs and won the game. They haven't had 20 first downs in a game all season. That's my note. I forgot about that one. It's the they small They have not things. had 20. It's the little things that add up, and coaches can win games for you. Right, Pritch? Right, absolutely. And, and I think um, the, the players understand that too. Like, you look around the locker room as a player. If I was on that roster, I'm like, okay <laughs> – we don't have a lot right now, but can we win football games? Do we believe and do we have enough confidence into what Michael was talking about? If you can steal possession, uh, if you can stand up defensively uh, late in the games as well, 
that helps you out, right? I, I think Tennessee gets out to a lead uh, enough, uh, certainly the last few weeks here, uh, to which they could sustain it and for what they have and, and where they are as a team. Uh, and I'll give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. I mean, Todd Downing, uh, he wants to line up in three wide receivers and, and throw the football, I would think. Uh, but now you can't do that. You just don't have the personnel. So not that they've reinvented themselves. They just up the ante in terms of being tough. Uh, and it's old school, but yet it's working. And it's working for a number of teams uh, this season so far in terms of buckling that chin strap, putting a little bit more air in that helmet, uh, and getting after it physically. I mean, we're seeing that across the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, and they're, yeah. they're tough-minded, too. I think, you, you know, the one thing about, about his team is they're mentally tough. They really are mentally tough, and – and they, they hang in there. I mean, look, they, they win that game at the end, and they do the little things that matter, and, and they're well-coached, like you said. I mean, they're really well-coached, and they adjust during the game. And I think Todd Dowling, I don't think anybody on his staff is trying to become a head coach with their play call. They're just trying to win the game. Goal line stop as well to finish the game off so they weren't shook. How about this, fellas? Yeah. You got the NFC right now, and, and we should apologize to Cowboy Nation, Michael Lombardi. And it was my fault because when Dak went down, I buried him and I said, the season's over. They haven't lost since Dak went down. So the Cowboys won on the road yesterday. Philly, who's undefeated, they won on the road yesterday. The Giants won in another country yesterday. They're four and one. And Washington, who we just discussed, is just one and four. But let's go to Dayball and the job he's doing, Pritch. You were telling me during the break, you're super impressed with him. Very impressed uh, because he's got to buy in. You know, it, the first thing a coach, I think, has to do is establish credibility. And, and obviously, Dayball has done that, right? I mean, you think about uh, what's going on with that roster. Daniel Jones, the situation that he's in. Uh, Saquon Barkley, the situation that he's in. Galladay, he's the friction that you saw and you can read about. Uh, the situation that he's in. Uh, but I can appreciate Coach Dayball coming in there and saying, look, I want to win a championship. Who's with me? Right. I need to find out which one of you guys or a group of guys are with me here, because there's a number of you here for the reason why I'm here. And it, it sounds so similar to when Mike Holmgren uh, comes in and takes over with Seattle. You know, I, I know how to get there, guys. Believe in me. Believe in my staff. I know what it takes to get to the Super Bowl. This is what we're going to have to do. And uh, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves. In fact, we had in the offseason, guys, we had a combine because they wanted to evaluate all the players in their career and their existing career currently, not what we did back coming out of college, but where we are as athletes today. And, and, and I think from a credibility standpoint, that really woke up the room uh, and everybody got to work. And that's what I'm seeing out there with New York. Uh, uh, the effort is incredible, but the performances uh, and the confidence is emerging big time for the Giants right now. Yeah, and it's easy to build confidence when you're winning, right? Everybody looks at the scoreboard. Matt yeah. Rule couldn't build confidence because there was no wins. You know, he couldn't get confidence without evidence, right? That's a hard thing to do in football is to get there and, and give K-Ball credit. And, you know, look, they've been able to hang it. Their talent level is not nearly as good as some of these other teams, but they're playing smart. And Daniel Jones is operating – in within the framework of what they need to do, and and he's done a good job with it. And he made, I mean, they, they, I don't, I can sit there. They repeated about ten. They had about ten plays. That's all they ran yesterday. They repeated them out of different formations. They ran quarterback draw three times. Think about that. They ran quarterback draw three times, but yet they kept going back. I mean, 
they played, they coached better than Green Bay. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think this, the players bought in and got coached better, and you could see it after the game by the reaction of the Green Bay coaching staff. I kid you not, as the three of us are talking, hashtag fire Ron Rivera is trending on Twitter. I, I, you can't yeah. make it up. Um, well, I mean, look, Michael. Patrick, I mean, like, look, at some point, you can't just keep blaming. Look, when you don't make a change to the coaching staff, and, 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 and Pritch, you know this, right? What you're saying is it's on the players, right? It's not the coaching. It's right. you, right? And that's what they said. Like, at some point, it's either players, coaches, or scheme. And they didn't change anything. And so now we're losing, so now it's all the players. You don't think the coaches are saying we're not good enough? Right. It's all about accountability. And how's Daniel? Daniel Snyders is on the Amalfi Coast right now. Who's he firing? He's He's in Elba. He's he's in Elba. He's he's not worried about I mean, they've sent him to Elba. I mean, he's like the pole. He'll make a comeback one day, but it ain't today. You you know Dayball very well, Michael. Did you know he was this fiery like that little roly-poly gets yeah. fired up in games he's very demonstrative yeah, i did but i think what he's done a really good job he hired a great he hired martindale to help the defense and he's letting him coach and i think the kafka hire has been i think kafka's called the game the last two weeks like a head coach i think he's done a great job there look they cleaned up the offensive line with coaching they cleaned up the quarterback with coaching they're just not losing games i thought when they played against an elite quarterback the game would get away from them and it did it 17 to 3, but Green Bay's defense to me is along with Cleveland is really disappointing. Nobody tell Dayball I just called him a roly poly. Okay, it's that time. <laughs> he was of skinny the day. once in his career though. He was skinny. He, <laughs> hey, he's, hey, we all were. He's all we about all ball now because that front porch is coming out, man. Yeah. He is Hey, Day, he's, Dayball he's, has wardrobes for different weight levels. So he's got it. I don't know if he has one for this weight, but I I've been with him where he's had different wardrobes for different weight levels. We all do, you know? Like Billy yeah, wants me to throw No, I I'll be fat again. Don't worry. Leave that right there. <laughs> Dayball's he's fighting at heavyweight right now. Okay, Pritch, seven yeah. and 51 and a half. Kansas City's laying seven tonight. What do you got? Well, I want to see the Raiders be aggressive. Uh, I, I think if they're aggressive, they can get inside this number. I mean, uh, you think about how Patrick Mahomes' quarterback has really dominated uh, the Raiders. The one time that the Raiders did win in Arrowhead, they were aggressive uh, with their play calling. So with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro back, with Darren Waller, there's no reason to be ultra conservative tonight. And and I think if they can execute, they can get inside this number. Chiefs are just so hard to beat uh, at home. And as you know, I mean, it's 50-50 in terms of covering the spread with uh, Kansas City uh, at home. So I give the Raiders a great chance of getting inside the number tonight. Michael? You know, I, I hope they do. I, I, hope, I agree with everything he said. I think they got to get Josh Jacobs. They got to control the ball. They got to slow the pace of this game down. And they got to stay attached. They can't make this a 50-pass game. Rich, tremendous job. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you very much, buddy. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Patrick. Take care. Michael, Michael. enjoy the game. Good luck to Mick tonight. Big Bets with Dave and Amal is coming up next. We'll see you next time here on the Lombardi Line.